gotta tell somebody. This is the best thing I've ever seen. That. Let's talk about that. Let's you talk need about this. That. Listen to this. Memorable and exciting. Well, then be less boring. I'm gonna tell everyone. Wait here. Quite a remarkable big daddy. Remarkable. Welcome to Remarkable, a podcast for B2B marketers that deconstructs the most iconic moments in film, television, pop culture, and advertising for a single purpose, to give you, the B2B marketer, the same storytelling techniques that the pros use. In each episode, you will learn techniques from Hollywood, Pixar, Marvel, and beyond, from Spielberg's hands to yours, bringing remarkable content ideas to you every single week. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. This is Remarkable. And on today's episode, we're talking about B2B marketing lessons from only murders in the building and how to use mystery in your marketing. Only murders in the building. Only murders in the building. Welcome to Only Murders in the Building. So Only Murders in the Building is a mystery comedy drama series that was created by Steve Martin and John Hoffman. That is Dane Eckerly, head of development at Caspian Studios, and Mr. Hollywood big shot movie maker himself. The first season, which was 10 episodes, premiered on Hulu in the summer of 2021. The plot follows three unlikely strangers with a shared interest in true crime podcasts who join forces to investigate a death in their apartment building that they all live in. And right now the series is on its second season, but was recently renewed for a third season in uh, July of this past year. And the show's already received a ton of accolades for its commercial and critical success, including Emmy for Outstanding Comedy Series and an Emmy for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Comedy Series, which is obviously, you know, top marks. I loved playing detective, but I guess I wasn't a great detective. (laughs) (laughs) That is Annika Das. B2B content marketing manager here at Caspian Studios. I might have a little crush on Selena Gomez, so <laughs> that, that brought me in. <laughs> that is Colin Stamps, our podcast launch manager here at Caspian Studios and our marketing aficionado. The storyline was conceived by Steve Martin, who's actually a true crime fan. That is Meredith O'Neill, our amazing producer extraordinaire for this show and many other shows at Caspian Studios. And his idea was to have three men who are solving crimes in their building. Lester, what the hell? Found someone dead. <gasps> what? Sounds like they off themselves. You're kidding me. Ninth floor. Can't let anyone in. We can't go to our apartments? No, sir. Sorry. Long story short, he pairs up with Dan Fogelman and Jess Rosenthal. They find John Hoffman to be the co-creator with Steve Martin. I was looking into the creation of the show, and the idea was originally came from Steve Martin, but his co-creator... John Hoffman actually took his personal experience and used that as inspiration too, which is that he had heard of the death of this childhood friend that he had, and they were both adults at the time, right? So he had kind of lost touch with this childhood friend and his friend had been found with a gunshot wound to the head. So very similar circumstances and police initially thought it was a suicide, but then John Hoffman, this co-creator got like obsessed with this and why would this friend of mine have committed suicide. Um, And he even like connected with his friend's now ex-wife, right? And 
talked with her and still couldn't understand why he would do something like that. He just didn't seem like the kind of person that would. And then after an investigation, they found out it was actually a murder. And so that was the inspiration behind the story. And so I feel like having that as the basis, this like truth as part of the basis for this kind of fiction gives it some depth. Steve Martin was kind of like the brains behind the whole idea. And he just had to have Selena Gomez on the show. It's not what you think. He wasn't familiar with any of her work when he called her to be in Only Murders in the Building, um, which is hilarious. Like he knew that she was an actor, but he hadn't seen her in Wizards of Waverly Place. And then Selena Gomez. Unlike Colin, who watched all <laughs> of show. them. Unlike Colin, yeah. <laughs> Super My fan. Childhood. Do you watch Wizards of Waverly Place? All right, that's it. That's it. No, I don't watch Wizards of Waverly Place. And it was it was fine because Selena Gomez actually had no idea who Martin Short was. And when she found out that she would be working with him, she told him that she Googled him. So it's just really funny because the chemistry they have on screen was literally just like happened when they started filming. All right, let's talk about our technique. So using mystery in your marketing kind of sounds like something that you might not do. Generally speaking, confusion equals no sale. So the idea that we're going to go out there and try to confuse our audience is a little bit confusing in and of itself. What was that? And so why would we think about mystery and adding mystery into our B2B marketing. Well, the truth of the matter is most of the stuff that we're doing from a content perspective is a mystery. The mystery is, I don't know anything about topic blank and I want to learn about it. So, you know, there's mystery there. There is, hey, it's a customer case study. There's a mystery about who is this person? What results did they achieve? Now, there's not a murder in that, but there is some sort of inciting incident that happens, they have to respond to it back and forth. There's characters, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it got us thinking about this idea of mystery. And this show is so popular right now. It's a great mystery. Mystery is always popular. So Meredith, why do we care about mysteries? Why as humans do we, do we want to pay attention to mysteries? For a couple of reasons. One is the true crime aspect, and that's compelling from a very like innate desire to understand these crimes, um, why murders, why theft, why rape happens. Did you see the ninth floor? Yeah. I could get us to the freight elevator just to take a peek. Just to see what's happening. Okay. And when we come to understand the why, it's kind of like self-protection, self-preservation. You then know how to defend yourself against that from happening to you. It's kind of like our old like Neanderthal brain being like, this is what you need to do to survive. So there's that. And also it's a way for us to explore these taboo topics that otherwise aren't seemingly okay to talk about, think about, um, like murder. And another thing I read was that it's a way for people to explore kind of dangerous situations and think, how would I get out of this without any consequences? So it's engaging in that way in this like deeply human sense. I was thinking too how it 
So you're like engaging your audience's critical thinking skills and puzzle solving skills. You want to find the answer. You want there to be a clean resolution and you want to be right in the end. So you talk to your friends, like who, who do you think did it? Who killed Bunny? <laughs> I think the show did a great job, like really engaging viewers and like building a community of people who are really into the show and wanted to sort of like play detective. Like Hulu did this really cool thing to market the show where they created ambient rooms on YouTube. So basically like ambient rooms are like a form of content that streaming services started to do when ASMR videos um, became really popular. And so they like tapped into the creativity of like long form, really immersive videos to build like super scenic, atmospheric, like music and video where they like zoomed in on different rooms in the Arconia, like where the murders happen. Oh, that's so they cool. have one. Yeah, it's really cool. So they have one of like Mabel's room where people who are watching can like basically go through the room and like pick up on like different um, Easter eggs and like different clues that were left behind. Since there's like so much happening in the show, you might not be able to like pause the screen and actually look at the room. So they like did a whole immersive experience around like these different rooms. Hey, it's Mabel. You can hang out in my place for a bit. I have to go record only murders with a couple of randos. Just let me know if you see anything interesting. And in just like two weeks of launching that, Earlier this year, these videos got over 2 million views. So people were super into them, which just goes to show how fans are like really into mysteries and theories and they like little surprises that involve them and make people feel like they can be a part of the show and like a part of solving like these mysteries. And in that sense, like they did this to advertise the show, but it didn't even feel like advertising. Like it felt like viewers were being invited to be a part of the ride, which was really cool. It seems like this show kind of has a couple different levels of engagement. Like, how do you think about a show like this and how it engages people? I think what it does so well is it just tees up this deep mystery with just this infinite, you know, number of possibilities as to what could have happened, whether that's embedded in the show itself, or if it's something that's spun off like more ancillary content, like what um, Annika was referring to. <clears throat> I think having having the show turn into like a bit of a puzzle just creates for a more activating interactive experience where you're not just sitting there passively sort of consuming content. You actually have to turn your brain on and like activate, become essentially a part of the show, your own detective. And obviously I think you want to be right. You want to solve it, but not everybody can be right. And I think what this show does in a really cool way is, and like a lot of great mystery in film and TV, if you do get it wrong, going back and like, having a show that inspires repeat views and people going back in time and what, what did I miss or where did I go wrong or what were the breadcrumbs and the clues that I didn't pick up on is a really great way to just continue to activate people over time, uh, whether they guess it and feel great about themselves or they don't and have to go back and figure it out, which is just an awesome way to, you know, just continue to have people talking about your mystery or your product or whatever it may be. I think they're so singular in their focus too. Like who killed Tim Kono, Right. And people didn't really like Tim Kono. No, people did not. I hear. That implies that, like, every single person is on the same page trying to figure this out, including the listener, which is one of the mysteries. And then the other mystery is, like, what happened to her friend way back in the day, right? So you're solving these two different mysteries at the same time. And I think as a marketer, when you see that, like, the core 
thing that they're trying to figure out in this show is who killed Tim Kono, right? And like, that's what they're trying to do. That's what the show is about. That's what the first season is about, right? And I think in marketing, so often when we're creating a piece of content, whether it's a blog post or a webinar or, you know, whatever it is, it's, you need to set up that premise to say, what are we trying, you know, to do here? The problem is we so often do bottom line up front, right? It's like, okay, well, we're not going to get into exposition. We're not going to figure out who the characters are. We're not going to do that stuff. Like, why don't we tell mysteries more when we're doing our marketing? It's just hard to do. I think it takes a very creative mind and a very creative approach to pull that off in an effective way in B2B, in my opinion. You know, I think that every company is presenting some kind of solution that's solving a problem. I wonder if there's like some opportunity to make some content around solving that problem and making that into some kind of mystery. Obviously not a murder mystery, but maybe it'd be some fun play at at whatever you're trying to solve. Yeah. I mean, if you came to me and you were like, hey, Ian, I was just talking to my friend and they 10X'd their revenue, I would be like, whoa, like how'd they do that? And you're like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before I tell you how, like, let me just tell you a little bit more about the company. Like this guy, he's this crazy guy. He wears an eye patch. He does, you know, X, Y, Z. They have this many employees. You know, he walks backwards everywhere. I'm like, why does he walk backwards everywhere? You know, like you could spin a story about this person. And then once you get to the point of like how they 10X revenue, I'm a way more invested in not just like what happened, but like why it happened and the path that they sought to go down this road. And I think a lot of times, whether you're telling a story in a minute or whether you're telling a story over an hour, they're like figuring out who the characters are. All of us on this call may or may not know who killed Tim Kono at any given time. (laughs) But when we talk about the show, we talk about how great the chemistry is between the three characters, right? Like that is the most memorable part. And we know that it was a good time hanging out with them. I brought luminol and a black light in case we find- There's blood! Don't check, don't yell blood! Is it his blood? Is it my blood? And that season two, whether or not you like the plot or not, you don't really care that much because you just want to go hang out with those characters again. So I think that that's part of the thing is like, we have to establish- why someone should care with the stakes of like what you're going to learn, but also more about the information of like how that process happened, who they are, what they care about. One thing that mystery just lends itself to so organically is is being able to like compare notes and talk to other people to try and get to the bottom of something if you can't do it by yourself. And does anybody have anything they would like to share about Tim Kono? So I think one huge benefit and advantage of utilizing mystery is just getting people to discuss things and have a conversation and talk about what they're seeing or what they're feeling. And in that sense, when we're talking about B2B, if you can somehow try and bundle your mystery around something that sort of encourages collaborative thinking or or discussion, I feel like the message that you're trying to promote can just carry on a life of its own after the fact if you engineer it in that way. So letting mystery like continue to spread the word and engage people even when you're not facilitating the conversation actively, that could be a really cool way to leverage mystery as a genre or just as a tactic to, you know, just get the word out there and inspire conversation. Yeah, another thing that I think 
people really struggle with when they're trying to do something more creative like this in their content is trying to figure out why the characters would do what they do. Tim was the reason we couldn't use our fireplaces. And so often we miss the mark on this. Like the reason why someone buys a piece of software is so multifactorial, right? Part of the reason is because their boss told them to pick something. Part of the reason is because they have a baseball game with their kid that they need to go to right after this meeting. And if they just fill out this demo form right now, they can get it over with. Part of the reason is that you responded first out of all the people that they did a demo request, like your company responded first, you know, first to contact, first to contract. And like, those are all the little stories and intricacies that come into anyone buying anything. And when we use a familiar landscape, so like a murder, we were talking about, would you watch only murders in the building if there were no murders, right? Like if there was no murder in season two and they were just hanging out, you still might really like it because we like all the characters. We said that, but there's no sort of central thrust there. And I think with a lot of the content that we do create, we just need to have a framing that's there. Like this is how someone 10X their revenue, you know, who killed... Tim Kono, that grounds you in, okay, I know where I'm going with this thing. And it gives you more room uh, to do that other stuff. And then you can get into all the little intricacies of like what actually happened. I was just thinking about examples of companies that have used the element of like mystery or like something along the lines of maybe like even murder mystery in their advertising. And I kept thinking back to Dove's Real Beauty campaign. I don't know if any of you guys remember that from like years ago, but they did this thing where they had like an FBI sketch artist draw a woman from how she described herself. So the woman would be like describing herself and the FBI sketch artist was like drawing her. And then they had a complete stranger like come and look at this woman. And then they did the same thing where they described this woman to the sketch artist. And the drawings were completely different. Obviously, like the one where the woman was describing herself, like did not look like the woman. And then when the complete stranger like described her, it did look like her. It just like took you along on this ride of like, okay, what are they doing? Like, this is like super mysterious. Like, why is the sketch artist drawing them? Like, what are they going to show us? And basically their end line was that only like 4% of women around the world consider themselves beautiful. And it was like this whole message about like body positivity and people were talking about it for so long and that got like millions of views on YouTube. We spend a lot of time as women analyzing and trying to fix the things that aren't quite right. And we should spend more time appreciating the things that we do like. And I think that like, B2B companies could definitely play into something like this where they sort of take their audience on a journey of like you're watching something unfold in front of you and it's like mysterious and in the back of your mind you're trying to figure out like what the message is, whether that's like what is like the product you're trying to sell, but more importantly, like who is the main character that is like the focus of like your campaign or whatever. Like, I feel like there's so many different ways to go about doing that, that brands like Dove have done really well into just like capturing like an audience's full attention and making them feel a part of something. 
only 4% of podcasts think they're beautiful. So that tracks for, (laughs) tracks for me as well. Um, that's so cool. I love, that's really cool. I, I, I don't remember that, uh, that campaign. I probably, probably was not targeted at me, but I want to go back and see that. That's really interesting. I feel like when you're analyzing something like only murders in the building, it can seem kind of daunting. Like, okay, this is like a multi season serialized show with these big names. And like, how can you ever replicate that? But I think like you guys both just illustrated, there are ways to do it that are much more simple that aren't even like too deep of a mystery. You know, like it could be even like something like Law and Order. I mean, that's just an episodic show that is so formulaic and you almost kind of know the answer when the episode starts. It's pretty rare that you're going to get that stumped by Law and Order, but you're along for the ride because it's fun. So I don't think you need to overthink it or be intimidated by what a mystery could do or what it needs to be. Come on, come on. This won't take long unless you make it take long. I think there's just really simple ways to execute that, especially when it comes to B2B takeaways that are just seamless and work really well without having to put, you know, too much brain damage into making it happen. Yeah, another thing I found really interesting in my research is that a great mystery has the audience solve the crime a minute before the reveal. Here we go. Time for the killer to make himself known. So basically, you know, you imagine if it's an hour long mystery, then right before we find out is when you figure it out. So you spent that previous, you know, whatever, 55 minutes living in the content, trying to figure it out, super engaged. Then you figure it out. So you feel that self-satisfaction like, oh my gosh, I got it. I figured it out. And then right after that is the big reveal where the protagonist shares all that stuff. And it's a great way to think about your content because... How often do you create stuff where the audience has to figure something out at all? You give them all the answers. We try to do that so much, but I think that there's room to create something that is a little bit more mystery. We like puzzles. We like to figure this stuff out. So I think that if you were to try to figure out a way to work that into your marketing and a tactical way of doing something like that is in your social videos, if you put a question as the header on a social video on LinkedIn or whatever, put the question, have the answer with closed captioning or subtitles on the video and allow that to be answered by the end of the video, that they're engaged through the whole first part of the video. And then at the end, it's actually answered. That's a way better way to do things than to just say, you know, Jane Doe used XYZ software to 10X revenue. That's just a statement. There's no engagement there. There's no mystery there. I don't need to watch the whole rest of the video. I already got it. So why do you even post it as a video? What's the reason there? And so I think that keeping that air of mystery, again, seems a little counterintuitive for some of the stuff that we do, but you could sprinkle it in to your marketing. Final thought on this. They refer to this show as a comedy mystery. And comedy is first. And you can tell that every single thing that they do in this show is built joke a page. Oh, my God. Mm, You know, this is all I eat. Dips for dinner. I bet I have not had a regular entree for years. Granted, I've lost 14 pounds and a significant amount of hair, but it's totally worth it. Like, this whole thing was written joke a page. I mean, I, I haven't seen the scripts, but I'd imagine. And it's written as a comedy. And because of that, it's way more interesting. And B2B content is historically very boring. So if you're thinking about how to do this for your 
P2B marketing, you got to have a joke a page. And whatever a joke a page means for you, maybe it's a joke at every stanza, maybe it's just some sort of gif or funny thing that's in between your paragraphs that's illustrating that stuff. But the more funny stuff that you drop into your serious content, it lightens the whole thing up. And this is a story about a murder. It's not cozy. An alternate version of this story could be brutal and devastating and sad and terrible. And they totally change the story by adding so much comedy and adding these characters into it. And so I really think that if you're trying to make B2B marketing that is a little bit more like only murders in the building, put some jokes into it and put some funny memes. All right, that's it. Do we do it? Any other final thoughts? Wait, who kills Bunny? Well, that's it for today. I hope you got some good ideas for your B2B content. Thank you for listening to Remarkable. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. Remarkable is created by the team at Caspian Studios, B2B podcast as a service. Caspian also creates fiction series for B2B companies. So if you want a business thriller, you can learn more at caspianstudios.com. Hollywood style storytelling for B2B. And in today's episode, you heard from myself, Ian Faison, Dane Eckerly, our head of development, Colin Stamps, our podcast launch manager, Anika Das, B2B content marketing manager, and Meredith O'Neill, senior producer here at Caspian Studios. Remarkable was produced this week by Meredith O'Neill, mixed by Scott Goodrich, and our theme song is Solomon by Falak. Be remarkable and rise above the noise. <laughs> <laughs>